0: Hi there, my name is Lauren Corbis and I have the honor of serving here at Three Crosses as the middle school ministry director. Today, I get to continue through our Who Are You series with the reality that you are surrounded by struggle. So the good news is that we are still the image bearers of the God of the universe, despite our falling. The hard news is that we have in fact fallen, and that fall affects more than just ourselves. While we often fail as individuals to act as the image of God we bear, choosing disobedience and living outside of what God would have for us, that's called sin, this failure leads to a shared reality of all humanity. Relationships are hard. While I maybe have your attention, at least enough for you to still be listening to this, I reckon I should start by rephrasing that. Relationships can be hard. When we live with others in the way that God designed for us, the way that Jesus displayed for us relationships or what we call community, and I'll circle back to that, I promise, these these relationships are life-giving, life-changing, and life-inspiring. They give us more glimpses of God as we bear his image together. They change our perspectives of God's character to be more correct as we encounter dimensions and facets of who he is through one another. And they inspire us to live a life that is worthy of the calling we have been given as we see others do the same. This is the divine and mysterious beauty of an image bearer of God encountering another image bearer of God in the way they each were created to. Neither goes away the same as they once were, both leave better. Perhaps you've experienced this divine and mysterious beauty I don't know if I'm allowed to quote myself, that is Christ-centered relationship. Take a moment right now or today to praise God for that if you have. But perhaps you too have experienced the effects that sin has on every thinkable kind of relationship. Conflict with coworkers, marriage strife, miscommunication with friends, tension with family, feuds with neighbors. Maybe you even have a sworn enemy. Because our sins taint us, relationships often feel the brunt of that. Each year in November, my old high school friends and I get together for a Friendsgiving. We've maintained this tradition for over 10 years, and you may think I'm going to tell a story about something that happened with these friends, but I'm actually not. I'm going to hit you with a metaphor about macaroni and cheese. One year, I volunteered to make macaroni and cheese. I was totally committed to upping my boxed mac and cheese game, shout out to Annie's white cheddar shells, and instead making the dish from scratch. The recipe I used called for all of the standard homemade mac and cheese ingredients. Uh, Cheeses and butter and flour, milk, noodles, all the stuff. I was so proud of what I had crafted in my kitchen that afternoon, but when it came time to watch my friends' faces naturally produce smiles that affirmed my work, I was sorely disappointed. They did not naturally smile. They actually naturally were disgusted. The milk I had used had gone bad, so the macaroni was bad. One little ingredient wasn't doing its part correctly, so it soured the whole dish. Excuse me for stretching this and comparing your relationships to mac and cheese casseroles, but the fall of humanity and its consequential sin corrupts human relationship. One sin, the slightest evidence of fallen humanity, bleeds into the relational veins connected to it, sickening the whole body. Sin is the source of every relational conflict, from the husband who just can't swallow his pride and admit his wrongness, to the friend whose self-comparison manifests in bitterness toward her girlfriends, to the daughter who takes out her anger through hurtful words to her parents, to the father whose family suffers from the idol of work in his life, to the fellow citizen who neglects to acknowledge the person living on the streets, to the girlfriend whose lust compromises relational purity, to the neighbor who just can't stop gossiping about everyone around him, blah, 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 you get it this list isn't exhaustive it's exhausting here's your big you are for the day because we are fallen image bearers of God and that has implications on community you are surrounded by struggle this struggle has existed from the beginning of humankind Abel Adams and Eve's second son is only alive for seven verses in the Bible Genesis 4 2 through 8 because his brother Cain kills him Everyone's into murder shows and podcasts these days, which I think is a little bit of a sick trend that I'm not gonna circle back to later, but one I think is worthy of some deeper digging another time. And I don't watch or listen to that stuff, but ever since I was a youngster, my parents watched Dateline on cable TV. And you can just think about Lauren, young me, just having nightmares as a child. Um, The motive for the crime is always what captures an audience because there's nearly always a motive of, of some sort, the reason for why somebody does something bad. In the case of Cain and Abel, Cain seems to have killed Abel out of jealousy. Just before the murder, in verse 8, we read that each son had brought an offering of their work to God. Cain brought some of his crop as a gift to the Lord, it says in verse 3, while Abel brought the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. That's verse 4 of Genesis 4. To plainly quote how the text continues, the Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. Cain feels dejected. He gets angry and he violates God's way of community by killing his brother, severing that relationship completely. It's easy for us to get mad at Cain and recognize that it's totally preposterous that he would kill his brother Abel when Abel had actually done a good thing, bringing the best of his flock as a gift to the Lord. It's also easy for us to get mad when someone gossips about us and then assert that when we do it, it's just because we need to vent or to ignore someone because we need to set boundaries or to turn away from the person on the streets because they were just going to use the money for drugs anyways. I'm not saying these aren't nuanced issues that always lack validity, but I think it's really easy to judge Cain's jealousy while letting relational sin fester in our own lives. In fact, this hypocritical pattern is rather predictable and it extends to all of us. Those stories that follow the saga of Cain and Abel in Genesis chapters 5 through 11 describe entire communities who are dealing with sin. It affects the entire population surrounding of Noah and leads to the Tower of Babel, who had completely turned their backs to God. And it's so tempting to look externally for someone to blame, but the problem of sin starts with us. So we have to ask ourselves, when did we get so comfortable letting sin conduct how we do relationships? Yes, we're surrounded by struggle, but we don't need to sit in it. In fact, we're commanded not to. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Here it is Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Those are Paul's words to the church of Philippi in Philippians 2 3 through 5, thousands of years ago. Sin will tell you lies, that you're not good enough. That you've so much to compensate for that your feelings are more valid than others that everyone hates you so you better put on a good show sin sits in lies you can see that throughout humanity's initial fall in genesis 1 when a serpent told some compelling lies to a lady who bit into a forbidden fruit To lead the Philippians to truth, Paul took them directly to Jesus, teaching them that a community of believers living in harmony with one another comes only through mutual humility modeled after their Savior. Biblical community assuredly means different things to different people, but at its core, it's living together in a way that showcases the qualities that we as Christ followers are called to have. For the hope of a restored community, we look to the one who designed it who bears community himself through the Trinity, who made us in his own image so that we might have the opportunity to reflect it well. When relationships are hard and sin seems to be the sour milk corrupting your macaroni dish, look to the person of Jesus to illuminate the truth.